This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Hello everyone. Takaho. Selamat datang. Konnichiwa. Hola. 안녕하세요. Assalamu alaikum. And Kiora. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, podcast on oar.org.nz. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, podcast on oar.org.nz.
Kia ora everyone, welcome to Connecting Cultures Features, a show by for and about the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin and New Zealand. So I'm here with Sarah from the Iranian community, here to share with us the global rally for Iran's revolution um, that is happening this Saturday uh, at 12pm at the University of Otago Clock Tower. Um, Sarah is one of the organizers for the event, um, so we'll be here to hear um, her story and the perspectives of an Iranian in Dunedin. Kia ora, Sarah. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Good, thank you. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Mm, thanks for being here. I really appreciate that, you know, um, we get to hear the stories of the Iranian community in Dunedin, um, especially with so much going on in the media world. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be able to participate in um new sources that help raise the voices of Iranians, because that is definitely one of our main um, goals in, in the organize, in the rallies and the events that we organize um, to raise the voices of Iranians. So we really appreciate that you're taking the time to have one of us on here to tell the story. Hmm. There's a lot going on with the um, Iranian community and also the nation back home. Does it overwhelm you at the moment with, um, you know, the topics that's being discussed on media? It is definitely overwhelming. Uh, the feeling that we have as a community, as a collective, especially for those of us outside of Iran, is one of just collective trauma reborn and to see some of the things that are written in mainstream media and in some cases um, completely absent um, has definitely been very overwhelming and most of us have taken the role of being news bearers ourselves um, due to the lack of coverage or sometimes inaccurate coverage and you will find that most of the Iranians around you will be going through a very difficult time of guilt for being away, mm -hmm. um, grief for their homeland, for their families, and just um, a shared anger for the injustices that themselves or their loved ones have endured for the last 43 years. So emotions are all over the place, but we have channeled that to call for action and call for the end of such oppression, mm. uh, which is why one of our one of our slogans is that the time has come, and that this is enough. Mm. I appreciate it that you shared that you know there is guilt for being um, outside of Iran at the moment, even though you know it's a personal and safety choice as well to be um, not in the country at the moment. Do you find that, um, you know, since you're currently in New Zealand right now, those thoughts about guilt um, overtake, um, you know, the um, the conversations during uh, when you're talking about the rallies and um, the protests happening in Iran? I think that a lot of Iranians... Um have left Iran not because of necessarily fearing for their life, immediate life, but just wanting a freer, better life. 
Um, so most of us go back to Iran all the time. We have all of our family and loved ones there, and we love our country. Um, so for those of us who have left, and there are many of us who have left, um, most of us would want to go back. And so we have a lot of guilt for, I guess, similar to survival guilt, mm. because we know that there are many people at home who are similar to us in what they want with, with their lives, what they want with their future, their education, but they can't afford to leave, whether it's financial, whether they have ties that they can't break at home. And so knowing that we were lucky enough to be able to chase our dream um, definitely associates with a lot of that survival guilt. But we we deal with that by knowing that if we were at home right now, we would also not be able to share our, on social media and not be able to safely protest. And so because we're not there right now, we're not just sitting at home and feeling sad. We're also trying to do something about that and trying to channel that guilt into action uh, by holding rallies, by um, calling out for petition, just raising awareness and raising the voices of Iranians. So, mm. yeah, I found that most of us really do have that guilt. And many of the Iranians I know in the last few weeks have gone home to Iran for one reason or another. It's it's still, you can still go there, um, and people do. It's a very, it's the, the, the what's going on really is, is a revolution that's not tied to any ideologies. So it's a very shared sentiment. And those of us outside of Iran are doing everything we can to help raise the voices of Iranians on the inside. Hmm. Can you share with us the uh, numbers of um, Iranian community in Dunedin? Um, how many people there are there? It's difficult to gauge because not everybody participates in our events. There is still a lot of fear, which is very understandable. Uh, ourselves, we try to keep our identities hidden. Two reasons for that. Uh, one is that our identities don't contribute anything to the movement. We're simply Iranians and we want to be one voice. And secondly, because there are still regime spies in New Zealand that we know of who just report people to the government. And they're all over the world. So, so far we've had about 30 to 40 Iranians that we know of who have come and participated, but we assume the numbers are maybe twice or three times as much. Mm. We're a small-ish community in Dunedin, um, slightly bigger in Auckland, Wellington, and Christchurch. Mm. I think the latest estimates were about 9,000 New Zealand-wide, so small, small group. Mm, but still, like collectively, it's a big number, right? Mm. Definitely, and we're trying to work together New Zealand-wide as well. Um, and we try to, you know, stay in touch and, and all of us have one voice. For example, we called for um, a petition to the government and that was from all of us from all over New Zealand, not just from Wellington where Parliament, um, where they protested in front of Parliament. So we do try and, and keep it as a united group and a united voice. Mm, and that's really important, especially for, um, you know, small groups when you're sharing that collective voice it's much um we have a higher chance to be heard right mm. yes definitely um so you know there's a lot of stories going on in the media and we can watch that 
Um, and, you know, some of them may be true, some of them may be over-exaggerated and very different from reality. But I'd like to hear um, your uh, perspective and your stories uh, on what you know about uh, the atrocities of the Islamic um, Republic and um, the things that they do in Iran and how um, and, and when why we're doing the rallies in the first place. Where to begin? Um, many atrocities have been committed by this regime who's taken the Iranian people hostage for the last 43 years. Um, the number one is that their their structure is based on forced theocracy and um, they claim Islam as their theocracy. But the issue is that as soon as they came into power, they really just went hard with, with forcing that mentality, whether it be torture, arrests, um, compulsory clothes such as hijab, um, compulsory classes, a censorship, media blackouts, most recently internet blackouts. Um, they're no strangers to public executions or simply committing murder by um through their through their different what's the word like different or not armies um sorry i can't remember the the word but oh they're militias they have like so many different types of police that they use um just yeah they they do everything you can you can imagine or maybe not imagine and and maybe think oh that sounds exaggerated but the reality is that uh, most of what we hear isn't exaggerated. I mean, um, it all happens. They happily, in the past, have shut the doors to a cinema and set fire to it, killing people in it um, with no with no consequences. And recently, they're um, they voted to serve the protesters that were arrested with executions, saying that that is a just consequence of protesting um and if they don't execute i guess through their own system through their own judiciary system then they'll just kill people in the streets we've we've all seen it being beaten being arrested being tortured it's all a rich tapestry of of just human rights human rights atrocities um you don't hear about it because they don't officially ever say they're doing it but those of us who live there we know and we see um i remember when i was younger there was a, a time where acid attacks were normal and and it would happen to to women all over iran and and one other thing they do really if it's not the through themselves directly is they they encourage and they allow regular people to feel entitled to commit atrocities themselves in the name of that government, that regime. Mm. So there's a lot happening. They most recently shot down a Ukrainian flight, PS-752, flying over the Iranian um, air and killing people on board. And obviously what's happening now with, um, with the protests. And actually three years ago on this exact in this exact week, they killed what is estimated to be 3,000 people during protests that were held in Iran, protests that we barely heard about because they had shut down the Internet and just massacred people. 
Um, so we don't want to see that happen again. And we, we know the track record of our regime or that regime that we no longer claim as being the government of Iran. So we know what they're capable of. And that's why we're so insistent on keeping their voices heard, because as soon as we outside of Iran stop talking about it, the regime will move into offense and massacre people. And they will not care if the population of Iran is 80 million or 40 million. They're perfectly happy doing that. Mm. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing with us um the realities of what's happening back in Iran from um, you and your community's perspective. It's um, such a scary time to be living in and like I can't imagine being in the position of um, your community. So um, can you share with us how we as the Dunedin people can help support your community? I think the number one thing um, that if anybody you know, wants to support is to listen to the voices of Iranians as opposed to the voices of other people who may not have as much context and really just not disvalidate the voices of Iranians, which is something that we've seen happen the last couple of days very, very strongly. Um, that's number one. And number two is Really, I know that social media sometimes may seem pointless when you're sharing stories and you think, what's that going to do? And that's true in a lot of situations. But in this situation where this regime really does use propaganda, very strong propaganda, to squash all of its opposition, sharing online especially, is is very powerful. And we have already seen the effects of it in the past. And most recently, we've had messages from people in Iran saying that, you know, when we go to, when we go during the day or night and protest and come home, we feel so hopeless. But we log on social media with a little bit of internet we can muster and we see all, all of your support and it just keeps giving us that hope. So really, that's, that's, something that's so easy to do. Just keep raising that voice. And um, thirdly, one thing that we're trying to do, and, and we would love the support of, of Kiwis as well, is to try and call on our government in New Zealand to take a stronger stance when it comes to the Islamic Republic regime, to take a stance, to expel the ambassador, to really cut any political economic ties with this regime, and this is something that worldwide we're calling for, for governments to just no longer accept this regime as a legitimate government, because Iranians no longer accept them as their government. So these are the three main things we can do in New Zealand. Um, and I do see a lot of people around me who do a lot of that. Um, but yeah, really that driving that virality is is very helpful because it just makes sure that our voices are not silenced as they have been for the last 43 years. Mm. Um, I really appreciate um, everything you said. Um, and I want us to talk about hope, um, you know, as the, as one of the organizers for the rally, um, what are you hopeful for? I get asked about hope a lot. I think a lot of us do. 
I was recently talking to someone and they told me that I am very hopeful <laughs> and it's surprising given how hopeless one might become based on the history of the last 43 years. But the reality is that being a young person in Iran right now with the with social media, you know what the world is like and you know what your life is like in Iran. So young people, they feel like they don't have a life. And so they're willing to die for it. And I hope that I hope that they'll succeed in reaching that that freedom, whatever it is that they want. Because whilst it's very sad that people have to die for it, it, it gives me hope that people are willing to fight for it. And it's a terrifying concept, I think, for us sitting safely at home in New Zealand. We all think, oh, you know, if I was there, I'd do this, I'd do that. But the reality is that you have to be in a very desperate and very have very strong beliefs and hopes that you'll succeed to be willing to fight for what they're fighting for. And if they, in that situation, have decided to have more hope than fear, really, then I will continue to, to be the same. And I just hope that I can go home and, and have the same freedoms and live in my home country and my culture um, the way I'm able to live freely in New Zealand or any other country, really. I just hope that these 43 years hasn't completely destroyed my country and my culture and that our people can come back from it better than before and really be able to live to our full potential because Iran is a very rich country, both in resources and people, and they've been silenced and oppressed for too long. A free Iran would benefit the whole world. Um, we have a lot to offer the world, and I think at the end of the day, people just want to live a normal life. That's what we hope for. Nothing great, nothing bad, just regular, normal people. Mm, normal is the best um, hope for the country. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so, you know... Um, I'm giving you the space to share the rally that's happening this Saturday. So just promote it to our listeners. Sure. So as part of the Iranian diaspora in outside of Iran, uh, we have been collectively working to organize rallies across the world for the last nine weeks. And these have been led either by our own countries and cities or the global ones have been led by the Canadian diaspora, by the families of the victims of the PS752 flight, namely Hamad Esmailun, who leads it from Canada. So what we do every week or every two weeks is we get together to tell the stories of what's been going on in Iran and help amplify the voices of Iranians. In the past, we have had events for the Evin prison fire. We've had events for the teenagers that have recently been murdered. We've had events for uh, in the forms of a human chain for the PS752 flight victims. And on Saturday the 19th, we are going to focus on what is called Bloody November from November 2019, which took place three years ago this week. Um, I believe I mentioned this earlier, but during that time, there were protests that were violently squashed and nearly 3,000 people were killed. So on Saturday the 19th, we are going to gather together and honor their lives and just 
remember that that happened, tell everyone that that happened because it wasn't very big news. And our goal is to say or focus on a on one or two of the atrocities committed by the regime every week. So we're starting with the Bloody November event. Um, that being said, the last three days, there have been nationwide strikes in Iran because of this Bloody November. And so it, this, the last three days have been very, very big for Iran. So we also want to um, contribute to that and, and help raise their voices even more because um, we've seen from videos and, and messages that Iran has been on a very strong strike that we haven't really seen before. And lots and lots of people are dying right now and lots of protests are happening the last few days, more than maybe last week. So, um, yes, yeah, so Saturday the 19th is for Bloody November or Aubon, and we are going to really put the focus on that. So what we're going to do is we are going to get together at the university clock tower, and we are going to march to the octagon. And if you would like to attend, please come. You don't need to do anything or prepare anything. We're just happy for anyone to support and show solidarity. Um, it'll be between 12 to 2 p.m., and... Yes, we, we would love to have more people there to um, share the story with and, and really just share a bit of that community and solidarity with. Mm. Thank you so much, Sarah. Um, really appreciate you being here and sharing your story. Um, all the best for the rally happening on Saturday, the 19th of November at 12 p.m. Um, at the University of Otago Clock Tower. Um, is there any last words you'd like to share to the listeners? Um, I would just, um, yeah, I mean, thank you for having me and, and thank you for listening for anyone who has been listening till now. Um, and I hope that one day we can, we can all live freely and really just no longer have to, have to come together for such saddening events. But, um, just want everyone to know that even though you may feel that this, is about Iran and it doesn't affect you. It's always just so great to show solidarity and we will always be grateful to those who do. So thank you to those who have shown solidarity so far and thank you to those who, you know, are taking the time to listen and learn and care. Uh, we all appreciate it and yeah, women life freedom. Thanks for listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM.
Selamat datang. Konnichiwa. Hola. Annyeonghaseyo. Assalamualaikum. And kia ora. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, podcast on oar.org.nz. Kimi no toriko ni natte shimae ba kitto kono natsu wa chujitsu suru no moto I'm not afraid of the dark. 
Hello everyone. Takaho. Selamat datang. Konnichiwa. Hola. 안녕하세요. Assalamu alaikum. And Kiora. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, podcast on oar.org.nz. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.